0: you're listening to two guys talking wine with michael pincus and andre prue andre michael usually i'm the one who starts these off you and your toilet shirt
1: (sighs) you know there's sometimes i forget that you are older than me i am older than you you know what here's a funny story for you As you know, I do wine tours, Yes, and I just had um, somebody on the wine tour who, uh, I guess, took my card and said, oh, you do a podcast. I get a lot of people who say, oh, you do a podcast on wine. We should listen. They went all the way back to number two.
0: That reminds me of the
1: shirt. That's why I was thinking about it. (laughs) I was going to say, I'll bet you episode number two was a number two.
0: That's the funny thing is I have no idea what happened to episode one. Like I I I can't remember where we hosted the podcast originally. We have moved to SoundCloud. Anyways, this is like really nerdy, but somewhere along the way episode 1 got lost and I just I don't know where it is.
1: Yeah, I think I think actually it got lost when we allowed our uh I think we were waiting for something from SoundCloud to yep. Uh, we were, like usually they send you a little deal if you wait long enough, you know one of those things. You get the email and then you get another email. Yeah, 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 and yeah. And they and we just you know missed it and then so they lost. Well, we could never find number one after all that. Anyway, anyways, the shirt I'm wearing. This
0: is where I said that you're old. Um, is for gob. Really great Canadian pop-punk band. I saw them in St. Catharines last September. They're touring again. Their lead singer, uh, Tom Thacker, is also part of Sum 41. He joined the band after Steve-O left the band for Sum 41. Hold on a second. The guy's name is Thacker? Thacker.
1: Oh, okay. Tom Thacker. Okay. I heard Thacker, and I'm like, no way. You cannot get away with a name like that. Yeah. So... We should also mention that we are uh, being sponsored, uh, right, on the podcast by uh, Valdoca. <laughs> uh, so a big thank you to them for uh, for sponsoring the podcast yeah. for the rest of the year. Valdoca Prosecco Superiore Valdobbiadene. Valdobbiadene. Damn
0: it! We're still not getting it. it. We're still not getting it right. But I mean, it's the thing too, where
1: um, you know, I I never there we go. I don't
0: think that's how you say I, it.
1: Somebody, somebody, I don't know, how can we get people to tell us how to say it? Uh, I'll look it up by the next episode. All right. Uh, but, you know, um, we
0: appreciate having a chance to work with sponsors that, um, like, we actually like their product. Yes. And, I mean, it's product we would have talked about anyways, but, um, you know, as I've said many times when we promote the Patreon, and you can still promote us on Patreon because, Valdoca isn't paying us a whole lot. Yeah. They're paying us enough to cover our hosting costs, um, but uh, yeah, um, p- Patreon.com/slash/two guys talking wine and Valdoca Prosecco.
1: Yeah, so thank you very much, and it's uh, definitely at the uh, it's a definitely at the LCBO, so you can always pick it up. And so uh, thank you to uh, Valdoka for uh, for sponsoring. So um, we're, we're
0: we're about to get into a bunch of stuff, and I, I think it's important that we specify that we are recording this on. September 26th, just in case some of the information we talk about is a little out of date. If anything changes in the story that we're about to unpack, um, I will either record a preamble or a postamble to bring people up to speed before the episode
1: is, there such is live. Thing? Is there such a thing as a postamble? Oh well, yeah, you just you, 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 you amble after the post. I guess, I guess. But uh, I thought to uh, get us in the mood. Um, <laughs> it's, just, it's just as I said. We're on uh, some some weird. Uh, so uh, a while back when we were going to do a spirits podcast, um, something happened, and again, certain things just kind of go by the wayside when it comes to uh, to us. Some days, yeah. Um, the uh, the distiller limited in Virgil, yeah, uh, Niagara decided to give us five different bottles of their small test batch of spirits. That's great. And we were going to taste them. And uh, I think I was doing an article for um, uh, Grapevine magazine in Prince Edward County. Oh, there's still magazines. There are still (laughs) magazines out there. Uh, And lo and behold, they they handed me these uh, five bottles and said, taste them. And uh, being that Andre is more the spirits guy than I am, I thought, who better to taste them with and who better to forget them in my corner for? So that's what happened.
0: Yeah. Before we get into, uh, like I said, the reason why we're talking about September 26th is um, last week, uh, did you happen to listen to Canada Land episode number 920? <laughs> I actually did. I,
1: I- heard your voice
0: my voice was on that it was something that i have spent um a big part of 2023 working on and i guess before we can, now we're gonna jump around a little yeah, bit a little jumping we have um the limited vodka in our glass and man this
1: is actually really tasty it's really vodka. good it's really smooth like i'm not a big vodka drinker but i think i'm really happy with that like i see like- but i also think need vodka to have like a, a flavor to
0: it um my wife's family's Polish. I, I don't know if we've talked about that on this podcast a whole lot, but Christmas Eve involves drinking vodka. We usually drink, uh, Zbówka, which is a, a Polish vodka, but it's, it's sweetened. Like there's back, it's back sweetened with a bit of sugar and there's a, a like a, a shard of wheatgrass in it. That's kind of their marketing thing. The whiskey's good or sorry, the vodka is good, but this is, um, said it's made with a hundred percent corn. Yeah. And, um, you know, I was ready to be hard on it because I think
1: corn should be, Turned into whiskey and turned into bourbon. Um, this is really nice. This real, it. Actually, has some flavor to it. And uh, now that you mentioned the corn, I don't know if it's just because you said corn. Well, no, but there's, I, a, there's a good like there's a nice
0: sweetness yeah. to this, and like it's really like it's not like corn syrupy,
1: but like it's a really nice kind of like cereal milk texture, like yeah, texture and flavor. There's a there's a this is this is a nice sipping vodka, and I and I don't usually say anything. Uh, about vodka that's that includes the word sipping but this one's like it's a it's a sipping vodka is that being a spirits guy that you are is yep. there such a thing is a 100% king?
0: um and i would i would keep this in the freezer i think that's my only complaint about this is we've got this a little bit warm cuz at room temperature it's been, like cold vodka's nice it's been sitting in my trunk so last 2 days so you listened to uh, episode 920 of Canada Line, and
1: and you were talking about um i talked about a lot of things. And if you haven't listened to it, I'm sure that uh, Andre's going to put it in the podcast notes uh, uh, underneath the – now that he's finally starting to do podcast notes, how proud I am of you and links and stuff. Don't they look good? It looks great, actually. I'm very, (laughs) very very proud of you. And uh, we'll make an announcement also at the end of the podcast, but we have changed – changed hosts for the podcast which shouldn't affect you if you're listening to this but if you talk to someone who's just like
0: i haven't seen the new episode of two guys talking wine they're probably getting it from soundcloud we're no longer with
1: soundcloud anyway so we're out of there so anyway you you (laughs) let's unpack it a little bit let's do it um so i have i have all kinds of questions for you uh, about how you went about doing what you did, and yep. uh, I've read a little bit of the social media criticism of you. Um, I think the one that might stand out—I'll ask you a little bit later. But um, what was your impetus for doing this? Let's start there.
0: Um. Well, it's the same thing. Like my call to action in this podcast is that like we're going hat in hand to people for money. Um, we used to have like a monthly hit with Toronto life. Like we were doing best bottles or service every couple weeks, but like even then, and, and Toronto life are, are good to work with. We love writing for them. Um, but like, it, it still amounted to like a, a couple hundred bucks, like a few hundred bucks a month. And we were working our asses off to do yep. that. We were one of the LCBO tastes. It was just like everything that's changed over the past few years has made it really hard to be a wine journalist, and I, I, I've found it frustrating. I think... I, I don't know if I've said it on, the, on this podcast a lot, but I know I've talked to you about this, that I keep trying to step back from wine writing so that I can focus more on growing the ADX wine company. And like it's just something where I, I find more pleasure being on the sales side, dealing with restaurants, dealing with production, being on the crush pad being in the barrel cellar like these are the things that bring me joy where originally putting pen to paper writing about wine brought me joy and i really reflected on on what was broken and i i think it's just like we've seen the media landscape across the board revert to this kind of wild west like you, you take a look at the rise of independent media the thing is i think independent media is critical to the survival of media you know Canada Land is is where I'm proud to have had an opportunity to work. And and I've talked about that on the podcast a a whole lot because it aligns with my personal politics. But I mean, if we're being real here, like seeing the rise of other independent media outlets, things like, like Rebel Media, it's almost a little disturbing to have a lack of accountability in what's being said. But when we're talking about accountability, the problem that we're seeing is with legacy media outlets is that the cuts have been so hard and so deep that there's a lack of accountability in legacy media or as Donald Trump would call it mainstream media. And you know what? It goes well before Donald Trump saying things like fake news. Like if you want to go even further back, like I think if we're looking for our, you know, our moment where the fuse was lit and the seeds of distrust were being sown with the general public and the media. It goes back to Stephen Harper, where he was limiting access of journalists to him, where he was telling journalists, well, you can only ask me three questions only you can only ask me four questions and the thing is, I think it's problematic when you have the government starting to limit what can be said, and like the waters have just been i know I'm, I'm on a bit of a soapbox right now, but like the waters are so muddy right now with who's paying for what and that's government government giving subsidies to media outlets, you know brands giving people and I don't want to use the I word yet because that's one of the criticisms I face and I want to unpack that later, but like brands giving people money to talk about their products on different platforms and just like nobody knows who's saying what by whom and I just, I felt like I had to do something rather than be complacent and let it die.
1: So the the idea of fake news does go back to the 1930s in Germany. So if you ever look back in that, it does. It really comes back to, um, and it actually is, uh, and I'd have to look it up. I'd have to look up what the exact word is, but it does um it does translate into fake news. So that's scary and sobering. Yeah. So that's where it comes from.
0: So that's why I did what I did. And 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 like that's
1: exactly exactly it. So then you uh you start talking you you mentioned the I word, so let's uh let's jump right into that, Then Sure. Um uh, I know that some of the criticism came in that you were going after influencers in your piece. Which which I felt was a little unfair because here's something I also
0: don't talk about on the podcast a whole lot. I have a day job. I work in marketing now. I no longer work in media. My day job, I work for a company called Right Angle Management and I'm proud as hell of my job. But part of my job does involve engaging with influencers, engaging with that type of marketing. And you know what? Influencer marketing is fantastic if you're working with a good influencer. And yeah, um, influencer marketing works a lot different than journalism. and, And that's where I think we're having a complicated situation, especially when we're dealing with a lot of influencers beginning to occupy the space that was traditionally occupied by journalists. The thing is like, if one of my brands, one of the people I work with are looking to engage with influencers, we're not looking for criticism we're looking for someone who's going to be aligned with our brand and say things about our brand
1: and who's going to engage with their audience
0: and that's it but i mean like okay it's like to be fair part of it might involve criticism and the thing is when i was working my last marketing job in hamilton um reach digital one of our clients was fortinos and the way like Hamilton has a really strong food blogger scene. And these are people who also could be referred to as influencers because a lot of the people in Hamilton who are food bloggers may or may not be paid by some people to talk about things. But you know what, when I was pitching campaigns to Fortinos, I said, we really have to engage with these influencers. And even if it's a matter of just inviting them to taste the food and hopefully they'll, they'll post about it, this and that, like there is a, a big section where, food bloggers things that have moved to instagram are actually occupying the space that traditional media usually would because like in the past hamilton would have had you know CHCH with its own uh like probably with its own food reporter the spec would have their own food reporter you know chml would have their own food reporter and now like companies don't have the money for that crap anymore
1: yeah it's all ap or
0: whatever it is and and that's the thing is ap isn't doing lifestyle nobody's doing lifestyle journalism anymore yeah. So, you know, it, it it did bother me a, a bit that people really latched on the influencer thing because the issue and the shots that I took at influencer more had to do with the fact that when you decide to take a byline with a newspaper like the Toronto Star, you're obligated to abide by a code of conduct and your disclosures need to be crystal clear. I mean, it's one of the reasons where if you go back to the past couple episodes since our sponsorships began, I'll be honest, I went back and when I edited the last episode... I think we were a little over the top in mentioning who our sponsor was. And I think it's, it's just like, something, I, think
1: we, I think we were just excited to have a sponsor. That's
0: well, and I think the other part is, I, I think, I think we're concerned about the optics of the fact that a wine brand is paying us, but I mean, it's just the reality of wine writing in 2023. And the thing is you and I have been doing this for a, a long time that I would hope that if you're listening to this podcast and if you're still listening to this podcast, you'll understand why it's Val Doca paying our bills and it's not Torstar and it's not post media. It's, because post media post media doesn't have a wine writer.
1: So, you know, I I before we get into anything about this the star, we should talk a little bit about the LCBO. Oh, that uh,
0: was and that was the thing I, I wish more people had really Ooh, this is nice.
1: Plum a, gin. There's a plum gin. Yep. Sorry, we're 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 slowly sipping away at at some of these things as we as we sit here. So yeah, so we're, we're li- sipping sup- at
0: a plum gin, a little bit lower alcohol, a little bit higher sweetness. I think if this was just mixed with some soda water, we'd be looking at a really
1: great cocktail here. I, I was not a big fan of the, the regular gin, uh, but then gin has never been my thing. I think I've been totally upfront about that on the Yeah, I podcast. felt the gin was a
0: little bit too floral and was lacking some of the, the juniper notes I really like. Like, I really like gin to taste like Christmas tree. Oh, yeah, no. I just
1: didn't like it. Um, So... Like, the LCBO has cut off, it really is cutting off uh, journalism at the knees. And uh, I guess my one criticism of your piece, and I guess obviously you know, you have a certain length of time to, to do it. I don't know if you were said, you know, keep it to 30 minutes, keep it to 35 minutes, or if it could go an hour or whatever it was. My my treatment that I submitted was an hour and 10 minutes long. So I don't know um, if you had it in your original cut then about the LCBO magazine which you never even went into. I did go into that. Did you?
0: Yeah. Okay. We, we we talk about specifically that the food and drink magazine is sucking up the ad dollars. That was where I had a great a great Christopher from Waters, Chris Waters right. who got into that. Yeah. And it's the thing that I actually got a lot of feedback privately where some people messaged me and were just like, I didn't even think about that being not journalism. I didn't realize that was a catalog. And I think that's the thing is, I, I think for those of us who are trying to work hard on the journalism we need to start calling a spade a spade and the food and drink magazine is not a magazine it's the food and drink catalog
1: and they i'll, I'll be honest i have now um i have been invited to write for food and drink twice in my whole journalistic career uh, did you i did take the opportunity to write but then i was told uh, on a number of occasions you do not know how to write advertorial but you know I'm I'm going to throw out a number here that, you know, a lot of people are going to be shocked at. Um, the, uh, the, the, when I was asked to write, they were, they were paying a dollar a word. Yep. A dollar a word. Yeah. Like I, these days I get, you know, flat fee for a small article. Yeah. Nobody pays per word anymore. Yeah. Um, but a dollar a word is buku bucks. And... You know, when they come to you with that and they say, will you write something for us? And you go, well, what's the pay? And they go, it's a dollar a word. You know, your eyes flash a little bit. Like, that's that's a lot of money. And then when you realize who eventually is going to pay, it's not the LCBO who pays you. It's the the advertisers, obviously, who are being forced to... Well, they're, they're not, not being forced. T-
0: they're making they're making a choice. But the thing is, they made, are. But they are someone being forced someone who in works. Ontario. Yeah, I mean, as someone who works in marketing, who are you going to put your ad dollars with? Right? Exactly. Like it's it's tough to make a case. Like I I loved Quench, although like Quench has become a sad pamphlet now. I love vines and the work that Chris did. I mean, I was so happy to have a chance you used to talk to love to him wine about
1: access. that. Love that. Magazine. Oh yeah, and
0: I I had my my issues of wine access like from twenty twelve on the back of my toilet like up until like I opened it up. Like a few years ago, which
1: is like this is so out of date that yeah, I, well, can't I can't even keep, justify can't keep keeping it anymore. this. But I mean, they the the LCBO magazine, the one that that runs in British Columbia, they put journalists out of business because yep. like just let's just take my rose report. I uh, anybody who's read my rose report will see that there's a little bit of advertising, but you'd be surprised at how it's like pulling teeth to try and get um, any kind of dollars out of of people because. I'm not really selling wine, I'm just critiquing wine. So they don't see the 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 benefit of of putting well, I don't think an ad like, in. But I, I th- think I thank everybody who does 100%. I really
0: appreciate it. But, Wait, man. but here's, here's here's the thing just as a point of clarification and once again like this is as someone who who works in marketing. Like Michael, I think um I think you have a pretty good reputation. I mean you're a little bit like Radicchio. You're simply not everyone's cup of tea. Like you could come off a little bitter to some people. Oh, I'm a
1: curmudgeon sometimes, yeah.
0: But I mean, at the same time, I think it comes down to circulation. Like your your Rose Report gets a lot of downloads. You have very good metrics, and um, you know, if if I had the money, if I would advertise in your Rose Report. And this is this is not me kissing your ass because you're on the podcast. But the reality is, if I have like ten, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars. Where am I going to put those dollars to so a rosé report that gets downloaded a couple thousand times or a few thousand times? That's how many it is, right?
1: Uh, this year, we're going to be uh, over 10,000. Okay. So 10,000 downloads, that's
0: pretty good numbers. Yeah, Or I can give it to the LCBO and have a go. I, I, I went and picked up some wine at my LCBO on Barton Street in downtown Hamilton, and uh, there were hundreds of copies of the 30th edition of the food and drink at the front door. And it's just like,
1: <laughs> you cannot... You cannot compete with that. No. 30 years of putting journalism out of business. Basically, it took them 30 years to do it, and they did it. uh, The government put wine journalism out of business. Good for you. Good for you, Ontario government. Thank you.
0: So, I mean, that's the thing where, like, that was one of the key points that my piece needed to make and that I wanted to raise about, like, why and how the whole thing came together. But the other problem is it's just, like, if the LCBO, if you want to kill journalism,
1: that's fine that's your prerogative you're you're a retailer you're you're judge you're judge and executioner like But they're the government like think about it it's the government there's a there is a reason why years ago there was a big uproar uh because the LCBO started selling glassware and corkscrews and things like that well, yeah, yeah. and retailers who who sold glassware and corkscrews and um uh decanters went how can we compete with the government? Why is the government in this business? Well, here let me let me just finish the point that, that I was making because while I agree what
0: you're saying is is problematic, like it's still the government they can do what we want uh, or do it, sir. So they can do what they want, and if we don't like it, hopefully we can elect a government that'll make the change. I don't see that happening, but the real problem lies in the tender process. The LCB puts out tenders for product and demands scores to get products listed. Yep. So you're looking for. Critique. You're looking for journalism to get a product listed, and until we're at the point where the line between influencer and journalism is so blurred that we can start accepting influencer scores and putting them on the shelf, although as when we get to the Toronto Star, it's dubious as to whether or not Carolyn has crossed that line.
1: Um, on, the, on the other hand, should an influencer be giving a score? Well, if they are, not are of journalism. Influencers are not giving scores. Okay. I was I was being facetious okay. with me saying. But I'm that. just saying, if an influencer is giving a score, that that does bring them into the into line with theoretically journalism. I don't think I don't think I've seen a single example of that line being crossed,
0: and you know what I, I put a lot of work and paid a lot of attention to a lot of people that are going this going on this. Like I mean Renee Sveratza, I think, is a perfect example of that wine by Renee. You know, is the quintessential wine influencer, one of the biggest influencer voices in
1: Ontario. She doesn't score. She doesn't score wines. It's good. Okay. Um, so, so then I guess we do get into, um, we, I guess we have to get into the, the part about the, the Toronto star. Yeah, of course. Um, and, uh, you know, the, how the hundred point scale has been totally bastardized and we've talked about it many, many, many a times. And, and you know on this what podcast
0: and, and just like for clarification on this, that, that's why I didn't interview you for the podcast is that you and I have been very critical of carolyn and her scoring before is it i really didn't want it to feel like a pylon and i think having you as a voice on that would
1: have would have just looked like an extension of the two guys talking wine podcast so uh i do know and if anybody's interested there is i think he is a german uh master of wine who talks about uh luca moroni and his scoring and it's on youtube if you want to go find it please finish listening to the podcast i'll put it in the show notes um there is a uh, video out there of him talking about how luca moroni comes up with his score and then he tastes some of the wines that luca tastes and he's like i don't know where this guy's getting the score from yep but he does explain what luca moroni's doing and it's not it's like a totally different 100-point system that this guy's using, and yet the LCBO grabs his scores uh, at 99 and 98. And- well, it's,
0: it's, it's just like Jesse Brown, like the, the publisher of Canada Land and the usual host of the Monday show said at the beginning of the podcast is he goes into the store deciding red or white, and then he looks at the score. And the thing is, I saw a couple of people who um, didn't tag me on Instagram offering some critiques saying that nobody buys wine like that. With respect, sir,
1: that's how a lot of people buy their wine. Their, the wine is bought uh, one of two ways. Uh, as a guy who does uh, wine tours, I can tell you that people tell me they either buy it by the score or they buy it by the label. Those are your two ways that people buy wine. They either look at the label and they go, oh, that's a pretty label, I like the look of it, or they see 96 or 98 and they go, 98 points for $15, that's going to be a great wine. I'm going to pick it up. And that's... That usually is the the two ways people buy wine. They don't buy it because they know who Ornelia is. They don't know it because they know who Salia is. They don't know it because they know who J. Lore is. They n- label score. That is the majority well, and, of your population. And, and
0: that's the thing too. Is it's just like like even being a critic. Like I, I in general have like I don't trust James Suckling scores. No. Um, But like you know, as Rick pointed out in episode nine twenty that you know at least at least suckling scores consistently high so you know that his scale starts at 90 and like a 91 or a 92 is what used to be in 87 or 88 and you know i don't mind an argentinian malbec that'll have a suckling 91 on it but also that's not why i'm buying it but no i am not ashamed to admit on this podcast that as the person who wrote this piece as the person who's trying to do his best to bring some sort of integrity back to wine scoring because the LCBO has deemed it necessary. I still make many of my buying decisions based on labels and I love a good label and I love buying wine with a good label and that's Andre
1: right there. All right. Okay. I'm usually going for a producer that I recognize, um, a grape that I want to try. Uh, yeah, I do that too. But they like, those
0: are sort of the first two things. It's just like, Am I in the mood for Argentinian Malbec? Let's go back to, to James Suckling territory. Then I'll troll the aisles and I will buy the nicest, shiniest
1: label on the planet. Well, it's a sad, sad state of affairs for you. I don't think so. So we're gonna really talk about. So I think, obviously, like half of the piece is on what is going on at the Star. Yep. And the part that stuck out to me, besides a whole lot of it, <laughs> was. Was the one where she's taking money for her for her YouTube channel? YouTube channel, yeah. That has fake traffic. That well, has fake traffic, and then she, you you actually th- that she had the same bottle of champagne in the star four times. Yep, Laurent Perrier. Like my God, I I write for Muskoka Life, Perry Sound Life. Uh, Grapevine Magazine, Grand Magazine, and whenever I look look back, like if I do, let's say, uh, a Rosé article for summer, and I look at past articles to make sure I am not shoving in the same wines over and over again i'm not throwing in ladybug all the time or i'm not throwing in vivant rosé i'm trying to find different wines and these are years apart you were in the same year or over two year period or whatever the period yeah, was. It was it was actually it was a 12 month period she had put it, it was in a 12 month friggin you're telling me that this woman who what she got a weekly column yep you can't find different wines every week Come on. You're the writer for the star. You should be getting wines galore coming to your door, or you could ask for anything. Well,
0: I mean, that's a part... has you've got to put
1: it in four times?
0: So, Absolutely atrocious. So, so that's the part that actually didn't make it into the piece, is I talked talk to a few agents who have been trying to submit wines to Carolyn for consideration for the star, and she replies immediately just being like, sponsor the wine find, sponsor the wine find. So, you know, this is one where you know i don't want to get close to being litigious but it's just like i i have those email chains and i can show them i've i was sent them by anonymous sources but they're agents that i respect and the emails appear to be from carolyn so i can tell you that one of the agents was trying to submit champagne because people know carolyn likes champagne and the response to the agent was here's my press kit for the wine find
1: that's that's atrocious like um like I, I will admit that I, uh, you know, my video series, it it doesn't usually get a sponsor, um, but uh, I and I don't I don't request any money at all from the uh, the agent nor the winery for uh, uh, for that wine. Uh, it's just the it's I I look for those wines that I really really enjoy and they go out um, as as favorites. There, it's yep. not because I was paid you know, $100 or $50 or any amount to have them on my video series. It is because I enjoy the wine and I enjoy filming the videos, obviously. So uh, that's why those, those get out there like that. But I saw one of the criticisms in there about why would you pick on a woman? And uh, what was your methodology for honing in, I guess, on Carolyn. Did you look at mail or did you just have a axe to grind or Well, I mean, it it all started with like I
0: said, like working in marketing, like I do a lot of like it's digital marketing that I do. So I spend a lot of time on social media. I help brands hone their social media strategy. And I just I saw the YouTube channel and it just it didn't make sense. And it was at the point where like honestly, over the past two years, we've talked to a lot of agents and there's one name that keeps coming up and it's it's Carolyn, like with regards to the challenges of doing business in the province, but also dealing with journalism. And, um, you know, before settling into this, so my methodology is I audited all the wines that were reviewed in the Toronto star over the past year. And I audited all the wines that were reviewed on the wine find, which is the YouTube channel run by Carolyn. I audited the number of views each wine got, i audited which agent submitted which wines i audited which agencies were sponsoring the channel and then lastly i cross-indexed that with what was appearing in the toronto star now lastly this was a thing where you know i think part of doing this type of journalism is trying to prove yourself wrong it's making sure like you're building a case right you're doing an investigation so i audited i audited our own toronto life did you know i did that
1: uh, I think you had mentioned something at some point. You said I'm going to audit Toronto Life, and yeah. I said, "Okay."
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, that's it. Though, is like, like I couldn't, we've been, I couldn't stop you. Well, we've been pretty transparent about that. It's like nobody paid to send us wines for Toronto Life. Like we're
1: grateful when we do it, and like to be fair, some agents send us more stuff, and some don't. Like, correct. It, it, it's it's like everybody complains about you know uh, British Columbia getting more awards during a lot of the uh, Canada wide. Um, wine uh, competitions. Yep, And it's because BC actually sends more wine. So in theory, if you're sending 60% of the wine, you're going to get 60% of the awards. That kind of is the way it, it goes. And I
0: mean, for us, like, the the ones that were noteful for us was Univin and Dandrand did make up a large percentage of our Toronto Life piece, but also they submitted a lot of product. Now, this is a thing, too, where, like, I mentioned there were four agencies that declined to comment to me, which which was a bit of a, a surprise, I'm I'm not gonna lie, because if you're just doing business, then like what do you have to hide? And that was Dionysus, Dandran, Noble Estates, and Vinex. Uh, and you know, I reached out to these people multiple times, giving them ample time to respond. So like I go to our Toronto Life our Toronto Life piece and you know, we had a good one, two, three, four, five wines that were included in Toronto Life. For Dionysus, we had one and I know that Alex sent us more than one wine, so the rest didn't make the cut out of everything that we were there. Uh, family wine merchants was well represented in our Toronto Life column. They also sent us quite a bit. And then you know there were other people that like that I'd noticed were notably absent from Carolyn's writing as well. Like when I was doing the cross index, uh, notably Nicholas Pierce. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and like I, I, I think people have been on the podcast. Like I'll I'll say I'm a bit of a Nicholas Pierce fanboy as a consumer, but. Also, as a journalist, I don't think there's any dispute that Nick does a great job finding those really good, affordable levels. Uh, he, he, he curates a good, uh, good list. Especially at the bottom end of premium. Like, if, if you're looking for an agent to park 20 to $25 at, Nick is just really good at it. He's definitely one of the best. And same thing with an agency like Rogers & Company that's also notably absent from Carolyn's writing. Like, Rogers & Company holds some of the icon wines from California that are always notable and always worth writing about. Ridge Vineyards, Chateau Montalena... Uh, Paul Hobbs, like places that journalists outside of Ontario are writing about because they're doing really good and interesting stuff. So there was that, and then it was also um, I actually didn't plan on having Chris Waters be a part of the podcast, um, and I I just I knew what I was working on could potentially be messy, and Chris has such a great reputation. This is not me k- kissing Chris's butt, but also I think you can agree like Chris is one of the few people in this industry that. Nobody has anything bad to say about no. it, unlike us. Yeah, no. but like when I called up Chris, I told him that I was auditing his work as well, and uh, that was actually when Chris offered to go on the record to talk about his history with Vines Magazine.
1: Yeah, and that was it. Was kind of sad to hear Chris talk about it, and it's, but it's also the first time I think he's ever talked about it publicly. Uh, so you know, good for him. But you did audit his work, you said. So it wasn't it wasn't that you you specifically honed in on carolyn because she was a woman and you had an axe to grind you just want to see what was going on in journalism and maybe it was carolyn's work that kind of made you go okay well is everybody else doing uh or or kind of leaning towards one uh agent or another is that what you were looking i mean for? that was ba- i was looking for i was looking for a pattern because i, I was looking for correlation
0: like the fact that forty percent of the wines in the Toronto Star were wrapped by those four agencies that I I represented, or I, I listed previously, you know, there's a good chance that those agents just have the best wine, right? Like, like that. If if I had pulled the audit of yours and mine, Toronto Life, Chris Waters of the Globe and Carolyn's, and all the percentages matched up, frankly, I don't know if I could have hit record on the piece because that would be like, okay. It just so happens that these four agents with really amazing portfolios are also sponsoring her YouTube channel. But you know the dots get farther apart. But it's when the dots got closer together that forty percent of the wines of the Toronto Star come from the same four agencies who also pay for her YouTube channel. That, that that was where I felt that I I had to hit record on this. Did you Did you ever find out what she was charging? On
1: her YouTube channel that was it's, up,
0: it's upwards of four thousand dollars a video. Wow. Um, I'd have to pull the, the thing. I think it's as low as like fifteen hundred, a thousand or fifteen hundred for some of them. Yeah. But um I think it works out to about a thousand dollars per wine
1: that's reviewed on her YouTube channel. Well, oh, I'm in the wrong business. Yep. Maybe. Maybe you have. <laughs> uh, well you know what I, I still uh I, I guess I still like my integrity. I'm gonna go with that. I uh I sleep well at night. Uh I give honest reviews. Um and uh I I don't I don't really sweat it out. Um I've done I have personally done some pretty uh uh Well, I mean, let's let's be real. Like you and I had a
0: conversation about the fact that this podcast is sponsored and this isn't like I'm I'm not trying to pat ourselves on the back or say that we're holier than thou, but when we go back to when we started this podcast 5 years ago, if Valdoka had called us 5 years and and we legitimately like Valdoka, but if Valdoka had called us 5 years ago and said we're going to give you you know the the couple hundred dollars that they're giving us, I don't mind saying what the sponsorship is cuz I think it's pertinent to this piece. We probably would have said no to maintain the integrity. The the reality is just the industry has evolved to where it is right now and like I don't know if I'm super happy that we're comfortable with this, but on the other hand, I'm happy that the podcast isn't taking money out of my pocket anymore,
1: you know? Well, yeah, I think that was, so when we first started, I, I remember, um, you know, I think we had free hosting up to a certain amount of shows, mm-hmm. and then we had to make the decision, you know, did, you know, after, you know, 25 shows or whatever we did, are we willing to either let the old catalog drop off and just always run with 25 shows? Yeah. Or did we want to keep the back catalog? Which I think is really what, what it was all
0: about. Oh, but even then, like, that sort of stuff doesn't exist anymore. Like, podcasting is so huge. These companies are... And, and these companies are also looking... And it's not... It's not a ton... It's not a ton of money. But, like, it's still... Anyways, the, the, the hosting fee has been going up every year. The time it takes to do this is, is also a lot. Anyways, um, yeah.
1: But, you know, we I, I think, you know, we we... We, for the most part... Uh, get guests that we want to speak to. Um, We'll taste wines a place and go, we got to speak to this guy. We were just at the uh, Mark Anthony tasting. Yeah, that was fun. We tasted a lot of great spirits, and we were like, we haven't done a spirits podcast all year. We got to get a spirits podcast going. Granted, we just pulled out some today, but... Oh, I I plan on trying
0: to get my hands on some of this vodka. I think this is... I This is going to be great for Christmas for my father-in-law. So that's
1: I. So I really enjoy, and I'm not a big
0: vodka drinker. Okay,
1: but I guess if we're doing the critical part,
0: we had the heritage apple pie moonshine, which had a weird smell to it. Yeah. Tasted okay. The plum gin was okay. That was
1: probably the best of the gins. I didn't like the regular gin. The and then Niagara,
0: uh, the made from Niagara peach moonshine
1: is just like so. They've got like the puree
0: mixed in with the distillate, and like it's turned like a really gross brown color. And I know I've said before, like I'm not. One of the people when I taste wine that I care too much about the color, like you know, a wine could be fluorescent. I don't know what's the color wine should never be fluorescent blue.
1: blue. Remember that blue wine that used to come? Out? I mean,
0: I mean, like a Pinot Noir could be fluorescent blue as long as it tastes like Pinot and it's delicious and it hasn't been highly
1: manipulated. Although if I don't it's don't blue, <laughs> why? Well, you know, I, I think I think you understand the point I'm trying to make, uh, Andre. I'm, I'm just going to say that your the piece was was brilliant. If people have not oh, I appreciate heard it. That. Uh, if people have not heard it, you've got to go listen to it. Um, you know, keep your mind open, but also—oh, uh, can, can I can think, I add one think thing critically about what he's talking about here?
0: Well, let me let me add one other thing too. It's actually something that was brought to my attention because I had a few people slide into my DMs privately, and I don't want to out anybody, but like there were a lot of people who felt that I was being too critical of influencers during the piece. But the thing that bothered me was that these people were afraid to speak out publicly and um i can i can understand that and the thing is if you do have questions or you do have critique you want to give me about the piece like that's how i'm going to grow as a journalist because i don't think this is going to be my last piece on this so slide into my dms at andre wine review i'd be happy to talk about it if you want to not be anonymous i'll, I'll have your back i can take the critique like hell i've put up with michael <laughs> yelling at me for five years on this podcast like Um, just because I was fortunate and I, I thank Jesse and I thank Canada land and I, I thank the entire team there for giving me the platform. But just because I was given the microphone doesn't mean that I'm some sort of, you know, wine journalism prophet. I'm just someone who did a little bit of work at the hope of, of trying to change something that I think is wrong in the industry, but it doesn't mean my work is perfect and and I'm ready to take the critique if you want to give it to me
1: you know as somebody who who knew the piece was coming out didn't know the the nitty-gritty details obviously um but when i listened to it uh you know i i felt every every chunk of the of the the piece you went through um and at no point did i think to myself well that's me except for you know something was you know you know t- uh um you know, money's being taken out of my pocket by the LCBO magazine. I yes. was like, yes, okay, that's that that is me. But I never thought, okay, I I think sometimes people listen to something and they hone in on a certain part because oh, they're they're wondering if they are doing wrong or it's it's pointing the finger at them. So when you started talking about influencers, influencers went, Oh wait a second, he's talking about me and suddenly they get their back up. Um, Well, and it's the other thing, too, that that sucks about
0: editing, because, you know, I just want to double down on this. The piece that I submitted to Canada Land originally was over an hour long, and I stand by what was released. And the thing is, there were a couple of editing choices that had to be made that I had to leave on the table. But the thing is, the piece wasn't made for us. And I'm, I'm talking to you, Michael, and I'm talking to everybody listening to this. You're like you're tuning into a wine podcast. The Canadaland piece wasn't meant to be a wine podcast. It was meant to be media criticism, which is what Canadaland does best. It's why I'm proud they gave me the platform. But we didn't have the time or the need to get into the weeds about some of the really nitty gritty. Getting into the agency side, getting into this and that. So like, that's why I'm happy we're doing this sort of unpack right now. And and it editing is is editing and the other part too. Is it's just like, yeah, I I did a lot of work on this. But it was also meant to be entertaining, the way it was packaged as well.
1: Yeah, and it was it was meant meant to be uh, uh, entertaining. the uh, I did hear somebody uh, make one criticism that I, I guess, well, you know, Candleland's got to make their money too, right? That there was just too many interruptions with commercials, and they were like, you know, ah, I'm I'm ditching out of this thing, and I, <laughs> you know, if you did that. Stick around, like I mean, uh, you know, Canada has got to make their money too. Imagine that you're reading a newspaper. Well, if I, I can... said a newspaper or a magazine, and you see the ad, you can flip by it. Unfortunately, in a podcast, you really, you know, can, can I be aren't a t- flipping can, by can, it? Can
0: I be a tiny bit shameless on CanadaLand's behalf? You can subscribe to Canada for nine bucks a month, and it gives you access to all their podcasts ad free. And if, like, since we're getting to the point where we're wrapping this, I want to give a shout out to Archie Man and the commons team so commons is a a documentary series that they do they pick a different theme and they do it they just wrap the season on the history of hockey that will blow your mind like this was the sort of thing where i got into my driveway listening to the last two episodes of commons and I sat with the car idling because I had like five minutes left before I went to the house because I
1: needed to hear how they ended. And he's, he had tears in his eyes and, well, and weeping. I,
0: I, I, produ- I, I, was, I was the production coordinator on the season before about Monopolies, which is also good. And one of the things I'm the most proud of I've ever done in media but uh, the hockey season is just so much better than what we did in... Sorry, Archie, if you're listening to this, but you know you did
1: better with hockey than you did with Monopolies. So, yeah, Andre, it's a great piece. People should, uh, should listen to it. I'm sure there's going to be follow-ups to come. Um, you know, uh, it was uh, and, I, and I realized it was meant for a mainstream audience. It yep. was not meant for... And then somebody also uh, had, had asked me at one point, uh, because they know we work together, they said, I was always wondering why you guys picked the wines that you did to, oh, yeah. to taste. The stuff that's sent to us. But I mean, yeah. so. but, I mean that's the other thing, too. Where I mean, to be perfectly fair to what you and
0: I are doing is like we do go out of our way to try to find other products. That's why we went out of our way to go to the... You went to the Mark... I went to the Mark Anthony. We went to the Mark Anthony tasting. You went to the Profile oh, wow. tasting where... Like, thank God some of these agents are giving us access to the broad products. We know that, like, yeah. I mean, if you're an agency listening to this and you're frustrated about journalists not touching your product also slide into my dms like i said i work into marketing i'll be more than happy to pro bono help you plan an event so that we can get your wines in front of like the next generation of journalists we'll, we'll set it up we can either do it at the hamilton studio or we'll find a place in toronto i have a few friendly venues that would be more than happy to do that like now that you guys know how it works i am more than happy to help get your stuff to market because this this shit means a lot to me. There's that's a, why we're doing this. There,
1: there's a lot of great wine out there that we don't we don't get to taste. Uh, All right, uh, I think that's that's kind of sad. We should have, because of the LCBO, we should have a lot more access to this stuff, but we don't because there are a bunch of ass. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to wrap up there. That's just an opinion, which I am allowed to have because opinions are like, as They'll I say, say it again. I'm Michael Pincus of MichaelPincusWineReview.com. I'm Andre Prue of Canada Land episode 920 and proud of it. Uh, you can find me as the grape guy on most social media. You can find him at Andre Wine Review on pretty much all social media and .ca on the website. All right. I'll take us away tonight. Do it. Good night. Flush. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to Two Guys Talking Wine on iTunes. Two Guys Talking Wine is produced by Jim Ray, Adam Duran, and Ken Little.